Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. This is a fantastic podcast with a dear friend who I interviewed on stage at the Bulletproof Conference. One of the most powerful interviews that I've done where Naveen Jain, a guy who's the founder of Moon Express, uh, the World Innovation Institute, and about five other wildly successful companies, and a guy who's now the founder of Viome, a company that I'm advising, looking at what's really going on in your gut and how that interacts with your DNA and the way your body makes energy. And you're going to hear a little bit about what he does with Viome, but mostly about the mindset of someone who's just repeatedly had these uber successful companies. A guy who grew up dirt poor in India what it was like when he first came to America and saw snow for the first time with literally $5 in his pocket and went on to become uh, a billionaire. And he'll talk about how his father being an honest guy shaped his life, even though it didn't always have good outcomes in India. And he has just a powerful story. Uh, it actually like, like I almost had tears in my eyes when he, he's, he talked about it. He talks about how the worst feeling is that you can't pay back your debt to the people that helped you. And he just didn't like that. And he's like, I want to, I want to pay back everyone for all the help that I've received. So you're going to hear uh, from a guy who's a, a philanthropist and entrepreneur who's really working on some of the world's biggest challenges and solving them through innovation. And if you want to support his work or just have a lot more knowledge about what's going on in your gut, you go to viome.com slash bulletproof. At the conference, he decided to offer a large discount to everyone who uh, wanted to get the test. And he just agreed uh, for this show that if you listen to the show for a limited time, uh, I don't know how limited, but this isn't an offer that's good forever. If you're listening to this two years after I recorded it, <laughs> you can go to viome.com slash bulletproof or use the code bulletproof. And we just have a link up and running as long as that offer is valid. And that's up to Naveen. Uh, but you can get a discount on the Viome test, which is uh, particularly interesting. Uh, however, you're just gonna you're gonna love this story. So please enjoy this live interview on stage in front of thousands of people at the Bulletproof Conference with uh, one of my dear friends, a real innovative, just amazing human being. Enjoy the show. Now, Naveen, give me your early beginnings yeah. because you you sure. are a unique human, and, yeah. and you didn't just do this as an Thank adult. You. So um, I grew up in India, and uh, we were very, very poor. As a matter of fact, uh, there were days we had no food to eat. There was no place we called home. An interesting thing is we didn't have to be poor. My dad had a decent job. He was an overseer, and his job was to actually work, build the buildings for the government. Um, in India, as you can imagine, there is a tremendous amount of corruption. And the government said, you know, Everybody's going to take a bribe anyway, so why pay them? So they pay them a little bit of money, and they're going to take the bribe. My dad decided that, you know, he's going to be an honest man. And now you imagine we have very, very little money. And it turns out that was never the problem, because human body is really not designed to eat that much. If you don't eat every so often, it's okay. Uh, in fact, when you eat too much, you start to get things, these my love handles, right? Uh, but So that was not the problem. What really happened was, that the way the system works is my dad tell the contractor, hey, don't use the cement in the building. Use half sand and half cement. This building is going to fall apart in a few years, but who cares, right? We get, you know, we get the money. 
and the money that the contractor saves, he'll give them the piece of that to the overseer. He will take his part of the bribe, pass it on to his boss. His boss will take the piece of his bribe and pass it on to his boss, and everybody all the way to the president will get the money. Right? And that's how the system works. Every six months, his boss will call the contractor and say, hey, I'm not getting any money. Is he keeping it all? And the contractor will say, you know what he's asking me to do? What? He's asking me to build the building to this pack. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> I am losing my shirt. If I knew I have to build the building to this pack, I would have never bid on it, right? And now, guess what happens? In government, you never get fired. You get transferred. So every six months, we get transferred to more and more rural villages. Until we went to such a rural village, there is nothing to be built. They don't care he's getting paid for not doing anything. They just don't want anybody bribes to be taken away. So we went to the most rural places. Most of my education was done in places where there were no schools. We sit on the floor, we write on the floor, and some elderly will come to feel pity on you to teach you something. My sister, older sister, went on to become a postdoctorate in applied mathematics. My brother had a PhD in statistics. And it runs a very, very large company that is 150 countries out of Washington, D.C. I was the least educated person in my family with engineering from IIT and MBA. Came to the United States uh, with $5, 35 years, so we did not speak the language. God has been very kind to us any which way you look at it. And I can tell you the thing that really changed my life was a very small story. And I want to share that with you because I think sometimes just, um, you know, stories tell who the person is. I built my first company, and uh, uh, in um, 96, I started a company called Infospace, and by 98, I took it public. In 99, the company was worth $35 billion. And coming from a poverty, that much money is not something you ever imagine. And you know, life has been very, very good. I've started seven companies, and uh, knock on wood, all seven of them have been wildly successful, just not successful, wildly successful. So one, I, now the com first company is done, I'm working for my third company, and one day, uh, you know, obviously when I came to this country, life was very tough. I was landed up, uh, ended up in New Jersey, that's not a place anybody wants to live. Uh, <laughs> I was living in this town, I came in summer, beautiful summer days, and I thought, wow, what a great country. I found a farmhouse, a big house that I've ever seen, um, there's a stream of uh, water going in the back, and I'm thinking, what a life I can live here. And one day, I remember the winter came about, and I saw the white stuff fall from the sky. And I thought, wow, what an amazing country, because I've never seen the white stuff. I said, God has blessed this country. This white stuff falls here, right? <laughs> Guess what happens? By morning, the whole thing is full of it, and I have no warm clothes, and I have no shoes. So I wear leather shoes. It's got holes in my shoes now and I don't know what to do, and I'm miserable, I'm making $300, I was making $3 an hour, and I was thinking, this is not the life I want, and I wanted to go back to India. And um, so I decided I'm just, this is enough is enough, I'm gonna go back, and when I was about to go back, I sent an email to one of the guys that I had met, and I told him, look, it's been good meeting you, someday you end up in India, come look me up, and I would like to you know, um, you know, go out and have some fun together. And the guy said, no, 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 you are a really smart guy. Don't go back. You should go to Silicon Valley. That's where all the good stuff happens. And you really, you are the smartest guy. This country needs you. You should stay here. And I'm going to set up a couple of interviews for you. You should go there and check it out. 
And, um, you know, and the life just, you know, I moved to Silicon Valley and then things have been great. So now coming back to this story about uh, 15, 20 years ago, I got a call from a lady. And at that time, I have exited my first company. And she says, my husband is in ICU and he wants to speak with you. And my first thing was, ma'am, I understand the hospital bills can be very expensive. We have a foundation. Please send me an email. I promise you I will, send, uh, I will take care of all the bills you have. And says, no, sir, he really wants to speak with you. And I said, ma'am, I really do not have time. I promise you just send me the bills and I'll take care of them. And she said, do you have 30 seconds can you spend with my uh, husband? And I'm thinking easiest thing will be just to talk to the husband and just done with it. So I said, ma'am, just put me on the uh, call. And the first thing I said to this guy was, sir, what is it that I can do for you? And he said, nothing. And I said, sir, I don't have time to play games here. I'm really busy. Your wife insisted I speak with you. So just tell me what you want so I can get off this call. And he says, well, I just want you to know that I have been watching you succeed in this country, and I'm so proud of you. And I just want you to know that. You may not remember when you were trying to go back to India, I told you not to go, and I've just watched you with amaze of what you have done. And I just want you to know that I'm proud of you. I didn't know what to say to him. And I say, there must be something I can do for you. He said, absolutely nothing. I'm just totally fine. I'm at peace. And that was the moment I realized, oh my God, what have I become? I don't remember the people who helped me. And the worst case, the worst thing that happens to you is the people who helped you don't need your help. That is the worst feeling in the world that you can't pay back your debt. Somebody helped you and you can't, then they don't need your help back. And that's when I made a decision in my life that I'm going to dedicate my life to doing everything I can to pay forward. If I can't pay back, I'm going to pay forward and do everything that I can to help billions of people around the world. I'm going to help every entrepreneur what they can do. That's what I wanted to hear. Thank you. <laughs> so now with that, let me go back on this idea of why everything is possible and why even going to the moon is possible. Seven years ago, um, it occurred to me that technology is moving at such a pace where individuals and a small group of people can do things that could only be done by the large companies and the countries. And I thought, what's the best way to show that entrepreneurs are now capable of doing things other than just go to the moon? Right? Everyone, they start a company, what's the first thing they say? We are going to go to the moon. And I say, let's just go to the moon and just done with it, right? <laughs> At that time, we didn't think about every problem that's going to come when we say you're going to the moon. Everybody thought, you know, the first time when we went to the moon, it cost us $25 billion. And in today's dollar, that would be about $100 billion, right? I was convinced, most people said, you know, it could be done for $1 billion because technology is cheaper now. And I was convinced you could do it for $100 million. And I said, you know what? Let's go build a company, and we're going to go and find the resources in the moon that's going to benefit the humanity. I'm going to come back and what happens. It turns out, here we are seven years later, within six months of landing on the moon. And our cost, so you think I was 10 times optimistic. I thought the cost is going to be from 100 million down to 10 million. It turns out the cost is going to be under 10 million. 
So I was 10x pessimistic when I thought I was being 10x optimistic. And that's the power of exponential technologies. So I'm gonna give you a couple of ideas about how that, you know, how you think like that and how is it possible. So first thing that really happened was, we didn't worry about every possible problem that's gonna happen. We didn't ask ourselves, wait a sec, how can we go to the moon? Doesn't, doesn't someone have to grant you a permission to leave the Earth orbit and land on the moon? Right? <laughs> we say, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, it so happened that we did cross the bridge about a year ago, a year and a half ago, July 20th last year, we, got, we became the only company in the universe has a permission to leave the Earth orbit and land on the moon. Think about it for a second. So people think about Elon and Jeff, and that's Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. They are the ones who are going to this space. Let me tell you something. They're stuck in the low Earth orbit. There's not one of them have a permission to leave Earth orbit, right? <laughs> they can talk all they want. That's awesome. <laughs> December of 2015, President Obama signed into the law that says anything that we bring back, we get to own it. We did not worry about, even if we bring back something, who's gonna own it? We said, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And we did cross that bridge. So what I'm trying to tell you as an entrepreneur, you can think of 100 reasons why you should not start a company. Or you take one step at a time, you set the moonshot, and you stay, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And let me give you one more advice. When you cross that bridge, burn that bridge behind you. Yes. There is no going back. If you think you have a plan B, that becomes your plan A. Never ever think you can go back. Once you move forward, there is no going back. So you burn that bridge, so you don't even think about going back. And that's how the entrepreneurship are built. Now I'm gonna tell you the second part, Dave, that I think you are gonna enjoy. It's easier to build a large moonshot company than to build something smaller. And you think that's very counterintuitive. Actually, it's so much easier to do that, and I'm gonna tell you how it's done. When you do something small, what happens is, so let's assume I tell someone, hey, I'm gonna build a company that's gonna be an iPhone app that's gonna help you find a roommate. People are gonna say, eh, good idea, go do it, have fun. When you tell someone, I'm gonna start a company that's gonna make illness optional. What if you can create a world where no one ever has to be sick? And what if we can find a way where the chronic illness can become a matter of choice, not matter of bad luck? What if that was possible? And that's what I set out a year ago. I said, so as I was finishing up the Moon Express, I start thinking, what should be my next moonshot? And I start to think, should I solve the problem of healthcare or should I solve the problem for education? And it turns out, Dave, that both the problems are very similar. And you say, why are they similar? They seem very different to us. In both cases, the people believe the system is just not working, and people believe the system is just broken. The education system is broken, our health care system is broken. Turns out, neither one of them is actually broken. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do is that our needs today are very different than the needs that they were when the system was designed. For example, in education system, it was designed to teach us skills. In the world of exponential technology you heard from Peter, 
In that world of exponential technologies, it doesn't matter what skill you learn, that skill becomes obsolete every five to seven years. By the time you graduate, that skill is no longer needed because that has already been surpassed by the next set of technologies. Right. That means the education system that was designed to teach you skills so you can use it for the rest of your life is no longer valid. Now the education system has to completely change learning to learn, learning to have interdisciplinary approach to solve problems, learning to collaborate with each other. In today's education system, when you talk to your neighbor and say, hey, what's the answer? They think it's cheating. In, in work, we call that teamwork. <laughs> it's totally broken, right? So now, in the healthcare system, the same thing happened. We designed the healthcare system when we were all dying from infectious diseases. Guess what happened? Today we are living in a world where we have chronic diseases, a system that was designed for episodic sickness. When you are sick, you go to the doctor, he gives you the medicine, and you're fine. Now have to deal with something that you're always sick. System wasn't designed for that. And here is the irony. Cure for the infectious diseases, antibiotics, is largely responsible for actually creating the chronic diseases, right? Here is the thing that really puzzled me. The doctors today who graduate from medical school still believe the best healthy human being is a human being that has absolutely no bacteria and no virus. If you can kill all the bacteria and viruses from the human body, you will have a healthy body. <laughs> They should have read the book that nature wrote that says, you're not alone. <laughs> right? I, so now I'm going to go before I talk about what, how the human body works. Now I'm going to give you some of the lessons that I learned. When you are good at doing something, when you are an expert at something, you actually are useless in that field. You at best you can improve it by 10% or 15%. You can make it slightly better. If you want to change something 10 times or 100 times, you have to come as someone who knows absolutely nothing about it because you can challenge the foundation of everything you've taken it for granted. This man is a living proof of it. He is not a doctor. He's not a scientist. But what did he do? He looked at the problem from a very different perspective. He came from an engineering side. He understood how that works. And he wasn't thinking outside the box. He was thinking in a different box, which is he was applying the knowledge of engineering to the knowledge of health in the healthcare industry. That's thinking in a different box. And that is what allows to disrupt something. He believed, just like in engineering, all you have to understand, you're electrical engineer, right? Uh, computer science. Computer scientist, right? Yeah. How the things are connected, how these modules interact with each other. And by the way, you can't just have one subsystem alone and see if I fix it, somehow this everything will work together. Guess what happens in software? If one thing is broken, everything starts to fall apart. You have to look at it from a systems approach and you can think in, like engineers how the things are connected, and when I tweak this, what else happens everywhere. Isn't that what you did there? That's exactly what this is about. It's systems thinking applied to things that are usually thought of as individual pieces. It's like, who wants a kidney doctor? Yeah. 
Like seriously, maybe all the stuff that goes into the kidneys might matter. And that is really the way to look at this stuff is, we as, if you look at from a nature's perspective, let me tell you that coming from outside the world, what I learned, and maybe that will actually be interesting. Everyone told me, your destiny is decided by your genes. Your genes are your destiny. Turns out, actually our genes really don't matter that much. Right, and here's why. Our human genes only produce, I mean, human DNA only produces 19,000 genes, period. Our microbiome in our gut produces somewhere between 5 million to 10 million genes. Think about that for a second. They control everything that's happening inside our body. Knowing what your uh, DNA is, doing even the gene sequencing that Peter talked about, it is okay. That actually does not really matter as much because what really matters is what is being expressed. It's not what is there, what could happen. It is about what is actually happening. And if you don't believe me, let me tell you one thing. Your DNA, if you look at your hair, has exactly the same DNA as your tooth, as your heart, and as your lung. And as you sure don't want tooth growing up on your head, that would not look good, right? <laughs> same DNA can manifest itself, your skin, your kidney, your heart, your hair, your anything, same DNA. So what really matters is what is being expressed. So you could have the same DNA and completely different. You could have a gene that makes you susceptible to some diseases, but if the gene is not being expressed, it doesn't really matter. So how does that happen? That's called epigenetics. That means there is a control that controls how much is being going to be expressed, overexpressed, underexpressed, or not expressed at all. And these epigenetic things are controlled by a lot of the things, including the metabolites in your body. So when you are taking the metabolites, it controls your gene expression. 25% of all the metabolites that we know in the human body that are completely unique to microbiome. So think about that for a second. That those microbiomes are actually controlling your gene expressions to a large extent. In fact, you don't have to take my word for it. Everything that I say, you can Google it for yourself. So you don't have to take my voodoo science here. Everything that I'm going to tell you here is a real science. So the reason I started healthcare, David, was that I read a lot. So again, I'm going to recommend, if you really, really want to be good at anything, what I ask you to do is start, start becoming intellectually curious. So that I'm going to talk about it as an entrepreneurial advice, and I'm going to, you know, there'll be plenty of time to talk about Wyom someday. But this is my time to give back to you so you can find your moonshot. I don't want to use my time to tell you how wonderful I am or how wonderful Wyom is. That's not my goal here. So I'm going to give you the nuggets of wisdom so you can be at your best. And you can find your own moonshot. And I hope your moonshot is just going to be the one that's going to change the trajectory of how humanity is going to live. Every time you start a company, ask yourself two questions. God forbid, if I'm actually successful in doing what I'm doing, is it going to change the lives of a billion people? Make it scalable from day one. Don't start thinking, oh my God, it works. Now what do I do? If I can't scale. Start thinking, how do I do something that does not require the physical infrastructure? How do you digitize it? How do you demonetize it? Because once you do that, it can scale to billions of people instantly. 
Second thing is when you start something, is this something you're simply doing is to make money or is this something you're doing because it's your purpose in life because you believe it can change everything? Now, I'm not the guy who's telling you don't worry about money. What I'm saying is doing good and doing well are not mutually exclusive. As a matter of fact, only way to do well in the long term is to do good. And the only way to do good in the world is to create profitable venture. If you want to do a small good in the world, start a non-profit. If you want to do a little bit of good in the world, become a social entrepreneur. Social entrepreneur is someone who is a shitty entrepreneur, but they do something good, so we give them a consolation prize and say, you're really a <laughs> shitty entrepreneur, so we're gonna call you a social entrepreneur. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> A real entrepreneur is an entrepreneur who are solving a big problem. The best way to create a billion dollar company is a really, really simple. Solve a 10 billion dollar problem. Find a problem that is so big that 10 billion dollar problem you're solving. And if you solve that, you have a billion dollar company in your hand. It's that simple. A problem that can help a billion people is massive. And if you solve that, you can create an amazing company. Naveen, I, I've got to share a yeah. little story that, that it so supports your point. You guys would never know this, but well, I've talked about how I've run an anti-aging nonprofit group for 20 years. And when I had this idea, like, I'm going to write about all this stuff, I'm, I'm going to share it, and I think it's going to help people. I went to my board, and I said, look, I already have a job. I'm happy to put all this stuff I'm going to do inside the nonprofit. And after the board argued with each other for three months about the right URL, I was like, <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. All right, I'm just going to go do this. And that was how I started Bulletproof, because I just realized, look, if I'm going to have a very large microphone, which is what it takes to change billions of lives, I'm going to have to pay for that microphone somehow. And I have zero guilt or shame or any problem with running the business so that it can pay for the microphone. That's really important. So if you're looking to do change, just like you're yes, saying. I think Dave it, is such important. <laughs> Profit is the engine that yeah. allows you to scale. So never be ashamed to tell someone, the thing I do makes money because that's what allows me to help more people. It doesn't matter even if you're the richest man in the world, and I do know the richest man in the world, they, they will eventually run out of money if they do something that does not make money. You can only do small good in the world before you run out of money. If you want to do large good, create something that actually is profitable. Then you can do large good. There's also that, that issue that when, when we're getting started as entrepreneurs, yeah. there's that I have to feed my family yeah. thing. Yeah. And you've got to reach escape velocity yeah. to the point that you know that you've got that covered. And everything after your basic needs is a tool to change the world. Not, you know, not a way to line my bank account or something like that. But if you're walking around, like when you first came to the country, you, you had, had, what's the mindset there? So here's the thing. Success <laughs> is not about how much money you have in the bank. Success is simply about how many lives have you been able to improve. That is the definition of success. So I can tell you that. It's very interesting that a couple of things I'm going to now talk about family and the children, because I really think that is something you each one of us can learn. I grew up poor, and it was okay for me to be hungry to go out and do things. I have three children 
who grew up in an extremely affluent family, how do you still give them that value so they can go out and change the world? My first thing was, every time we had a conversation with our children, Dave, I would tell them, your self-worth never comes from what you own. Your self-worth comes from what you create. If you own a lot and you haven't created anything, you're still a piece of shit to the society. (laughs) You are still a parasite on society. So don't be a parasite on society. Go out and create something because that's your self-worth. And how do you know in your life when you become successful? The day you become humble is the day you become successful. If you still have iota of arrogance left in you, that means you're still trying to prove something to someone else or yourself. You're not successful. And that's the reason our president will never be successful. (laughs) Uh, Now, coming back to the thing, uh, my theme that I started with, I believe the entrepreneurs of today are going to be the superpowers of tomorrow. What is it that we want the nation states to do? Go to the space, solve the problem for healthcare, solve the problem for education, create abundance of food, create the abundance of agriculture, create abundance of water. Every one of these things are now being done by entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are solving the problem that used to be in the domain of the nation states. Nation states are going to become irrelevant because the entrepreneurs are going to be solving these problems. But here's the best part. Entrepreneurs can be held responsible every single day rather than every election cycle. You elect an idiot, you stuck with that idiot for four years. And I'm not talking about our president right now. (laughs) But I am. (laughs) (laughs) As an entrepreneur, if you do something that's counter to what society wants you to do, they can hold you responsible every single day. Let me give you a couple of examples. Remember a few months ago when um, so-called president uh, put the ban on all the immigrants, Muslim immigrants coming to this country. Guess what did we do? We protested. And all the taxi companies protested. Uber decided they're going to send the Uber to the airport and take advantage of that. That single day, 200,000 people deleted Uber from their iPhones. Next day, the CEO of Uber resigned from the president's committee. That's how you hold people responsible. right? When he started to start to not treat the women in the company well, guess what happened? He got terminated. Right? That's how we hold entrepreneurs responsible. Right? And that's not, we cannot hold elected officials responsible until the next election cycle. And even then they can fool us. And, and there are lots of people in there, our people who are governing our country. I just have no moral authority to be governing this country. Right? When you are a president and you can say, I can do what I want because I'm powerful, I can sexually harass a woman, that's not the president we intend to have. Right? Right. <clears throat> I am not the guy who's running for president, so don't vote for me. <laughs> but coming back to it, why else you can also be the entrepreneurs who are going to be superpowers? So several other things. Second thing is, as an entrepreneur, you are no longer bound by the geographies. 
The country can only use the resources within those countries. As an entrepreneur, you don't care where the resources are, you go wherever you find the best solution. We started Moon Express, we didn't say, we have to use the rocket that's built in America. We found a rocket that's being built in New Zealand. And here's the best thing. We're living in a world where you can go to a website, put a rocket in the shopping cart, and say, bye. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Rocketlab.com, you can buy a rocket for $4.9 million. <laughs> you know what we did? We put five of them in the shopping cart, called the CEO, said, look at the shopping cart, what do you think the price might be? <laughs> And that was 3.7, so you know. <laughs> now, you have another kind of secret power here. You're the only guy who got a government to say, yeah, go to, go to the moon, sure, see what you can find. And when you were first telling me about Viome, you said, well, I, I went to Los Alamos National Labs, and, and this is, by the way, uh, where most of my family was born in Los Alamos, because my grandparents worked at the labs when they were just founded. And... Um, you went there and, and said, well, I'm interested in this technology you have that costs two billion government dollars to create. And so I'm interested in not detecting bioweapons. I'm interested in detecting what's going on in here. Uh, I'd like to use this. And they basically gave it to you, right? Yeah, so it's very interesting. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> yeah, so again, remember, I was going to talk about that audacious goal. And I'm now, back up. now that Dave asked me, so here's what happens. When you set out a goal... That says, not that I'm gonna go out and do something small, I'm gonna create a world where sickness is a matter of choice. Amazing things happen. First thing, I was, got a call from the head of the IBM Watson Research. He says, I've been working on artificial intelligence for 20 years. I know how to apply artificial intelligence to solve your problem. He was making close to $2 million a year. He quit his job and said, I want to solve this problem. This could be my legacy. So people who are successful, what they want to do is to become significant. You give them something to be significant. You give them a tough problem that they say they can, if they are successful, it will change the way people live their lives. Second call I got was Dr. Helen Massier. She is a PhD in microbiology, MD. Doc, doctor, doctor, not just doctor, doctor, doctor. <laughs> working for Craig Venter that Peter talked about on human longevity, working on extending the life. She was the best person. She calls me, says, you know, what's the point living longer if people are going to sick anyway? Let me help you. I'm going to quit my job, join you, and help you solve the problem of doing that. And Next but, thing I got was... By the way, she, she's one of the best. I had worked with Helen uh, previously before that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was so blown away. And when, when Naveen's like, oh, I hired Helen, I'm like, how do you do this? <laughs> You're finding the best people. They just, they come to you. That's All right, thing. so you brought so Helen. third thing was Dr. Yusevich, Los Alamos National Lab. He said, you know what you're trying to do is to look what's happening inside the body. We have been doing that for 10 years for national security for the defense work. We have spent 10 years and billions of dollars trying to understand what is going on inside your body in case a bad actor were to get hold of something that we don't like. We need to know what's making us sick. He said, we have that technology and we can get that accessible to you. So the reason when we went there and they were willing to give it to us was they saw the dedication of 
We are not doing it just to make money. We are doing it to solve a problem and that they can be proud of. So when they want to go do something, they want to say the technology that came out of Los Alamos Na National Lab was used to solve a problem when people were never sick. Right? And that to me was the interesting thing was when people start the thing to make money, don't get me, I'm not saying don't make money. Making money is like having an orgasm. If you focus on it, you'll never get it. You just have to enjoy the process. <laughs> <laughs> what the lesson here is, we talked about those. She, she gets a lot of orgasm, that laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talked about these mitochondrial behaviors, and yes, orgasms are one of those. But one of them is that when our basic needs are met, that we're wired to help each other, we're wired to be kind. And what Naveen's experiencing is the same sort of thing that I am, where when you're doing the right thing, people come out of the woodwork and they want to do this. We're all wired to help each other. The guy who, who called you when you were about to leave the country, I just want to help. It's not about I want to help you so I can be transactional and get it back. And that was what happened with the guy from Los Alamos. They say, use this tech, please, because it'll work. So that is the thing. Interesting thing is most people always build relationships which are transactional. And those relationships does not give satisfaction to anyone. If you do something for someone without expecting something back, the feeling that you get is something you can leave. So I'm going to give you one more advice that I think I have really learned, uh, which is, People will forget what you tell them, but you'll, they will never forget how you made them feel. Don't focus on what you say. Focus on how they feel. When they leave your conversation, how they feel becomes your business card. Your business card is not what you give them. They will always remember and say, I like the guy, or God, he sucked the energy out of me. I hate it. It doesn't matter what your business card says. <laughs> you will be the guy who sucked the energy. <laughs> Right. So point is, you are defined by how you make people feel. So don't focus on what you say. Focus on what you are doing, how they, how they feel. I, yeah, let's... Okay. Uh, right, a couple of other things I'm going to just continue on the entrepreneurial part there because I really think people really need to think about this mindset. As an entrepreneur, never focus on the world as is Focus on what you want the world to be. And people talk about, I want, is this glass half empty or half full? As if that tells you the optimistic or pessimistic. As an entrepreneur, the only question you ask is, do I want to fill this glass or not? If you want to fill this glass, does it really matter if it's half empty or half full? And if you don't want to fill this glass, do I really care if it's half empty or half full? So focus on what you want, not what is. It is not our job as an entrepreneur or as a parent or as a leader to take someone to water and then get frustrated and say, I can only take you to the water, but I can't make you drink. What if we simply made them thirsty? Guess what happens? When you make someone thirsty, they will find their water rest of their life and they will drink. What is that thirst? The thirst is that intellectual curiosity. When you have children and you put them on the path of th making them thirsty and always giving them intellectual curiosity, every time they say something, you say, what if this world could be like this instead of this? 
the most powerful word that I learned in the English language and I did learn is called imagine. When you tell someone, imagine, it opens their mind to every possibility. Try that. You say, imagine. For that next second, they're willing to look at anything. You say, imagine if there was a world where there was nobody sick. Imagine a world where anyone can be educated without ever having to go to school because the software will adapt to how you learn rather you adapting to how teacher teaches. What if every person can be a teacher and a, a, and a learner at the same time? There could be a people-to-people -people sharing. What if that could be done? You start thinking about what if. Imagine the world what you want it to be. And then suddenly you can start creating that world. And as Peter said, the best way to predict the future is to create it yourself. You know exactly what is going to happen. Wow. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the gut, one of the biohacking things. And, and okay. I, you have been in a biohacking conference. So let me tell you some of the things I learned. So gut. So here's what I learned about gut. Dave, you get your one word. You got one word. Gut. <laughs> so what I learned was every single thing, every chronic disease from Parkinson's, Google Parkinson's and microbiome, and you will find the research paper that shows the Parkinson's starts in the gut, not in your brain. Depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's, autism, obesity, diabetes, type 1, type 2, autoimmune diseases, IBS, IBD, bloating, you name it. These are just simply the names of the diseases that people have given to them, they all really are one, one disease, which is chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation causes chronic diseases, and our microbiome is very influential in modulating your inflammation, right? So your microbiome is actually the immunomodulator. So when your microbiome, depending on the diversity in your gut, depending on what these organisms are doing, that actually changes what's happening in your body. Many, many people here say, well, I've done the microbiome test. I can tell you that the microbiome test of yesterday's were complete scam. They were actually not measuring anything. So if you have done things like U-biome or other crap, <coughs> and they do... <coughs> Who is an exhibitor, I might ask? <laughs> uh, but anything, seriously, I mean, let me, let me hmm. tell you. Utter crap. <laughs> No, but seriously, I'm going to, actually, I'm going to give you science why it actually doesn't work. <laughs> the, the technology that these companies use is called 16S sequencing. And you don't take my word for it. You go to their website and they'll tell you what they do is use 16S sequencing. 16S is a fraction of a gene that only exists in bacteria. And a small portion of that variable gene tells you what genus this bacteria belongs to. At best, depending on how you amplify them, you can get about 50 to 70% of the bacteria and only at a genus level. You don't get any virus, whether it is a DNA virus, RNA virus, or phages. You never get to see yeast, fungus, or mold. At a genus level, even just the bacteria, 
at a genus level is completely useless because we all, every one of us have exactly the same genus. It's a complete waste of money. Interesting thing is, at a genus level, we could be men, we could be dog, or we could be rats. And many women are thinking, all men are dogs anyway, so why, what's the difference? <laughs> right. But we know better. Uh, what is the difference is what this technology from Los Alamos does, it measures every RNA in your uh, gut. That means every single organism at a strain level, not just a species level, at a strain level, not only what they are, every virus, whether it's a DNA virus, RNA virus, phages, yeast, fungus, mold, or even your gut lining shedding. We know who they are, we know how active they are because we're looking at the transcript, but most importantly, we know what they are doing. Are they producing the short-chain fatty acid? Are they producing the vitamin B? Are they producing the vitamin K? Are they producing the toxins? We know what they are doing. And that is really the key. The same organism in one gut will do something totally different based on what else is around than the same organism in a different gut. It's like a humans. Depending on when you are in a company of, uh, you know, my company, people are generally calm. They're in Dave's company, they're party time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So my point is, even if you know what organism is there, it really depends on what they're doing and depends on what else is out there, whose company they are in, and that changes everything. So generally, bacteria, viruses, or fungus, they are not bad or good. It is the whole ecosystem that works together. And one of the interesting things that I've been learning is the microbiota, M-Y-C-O, microbiota, which is fungal community, is just as important as the microbiota. So don't ignore the fungus in your gut. It protects your gut, right? The virus, the phages, phages are amazing. So most people that you and I talked about don't understand these bacterial phages. These are the viruses that only infect the bacteria, not the humans. And they control this ecosystem. This is literally an ecosystem inside our gut. And when you take antibiotics, you're throwing a nuclear bomb. You may get the bad guy, but you get everything else. And when you kill these organisms in your gut, you get sick. When your gut and these microbiome are not at ease, what do you get? Dis-ease. Dis-ease is simply when your body and your gut is not at ease, that unease is what we call dis-ease. And if you can keep your body at ease, you never get dis-ease. It's that simple. So this technology, <clears throat> um, we named it Wyom. And you know, this is one of the things that I have, I don't know why would you name a company that you can't pronounce as an Indian. <laughs> Let, let me just say it, because it's Viome. Viome. I would say, it's V as in Victor. They say, no, but that's, V doesn't start. Victor doesn't start with V. Just listen to me. It's V. That. <laughs> and we are always, I say, Viome. They go, so, is it W-Y? No, it's y, V, V, Y. <laughs> I give up. So, Viome, Y. <laughs> See what you made me do? You make me blush. It's hard to get a brown guy to blush. <laughs> VIE stands for life. 
and omics is science. So really, it was supposed to be the science of life, except that I should have had someone else be the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're doing something really cool at, at the conference. You've got the test kits, and you're basically doing it at cost. You, you, you took all the profit out of it, so both. So honestly, people, you, do people don't believe that. Why would you want to do something here? You're preaching to make money. Why would you want to do something that doesn't make money? The cost of an RNA sequencing would cost about three thousand dollars. We realize with the things we can really do it about about three hundred dollars, you know, or so. We decided we're going to retail it for three ninety nine. And Dave says, you know, what's your cost? And I said two ninety nine. He said. Just go ahead and sell them at $2.99. And we decided we're going to do that. So we, anytime you go there, and by the way, there are only a couple of hundred left there now, I think less than that. You go there and get the kit, and if you somehow, we run out of it, use the code bulletproof3, that's bulletproof all lowercase number three, and you go to ym.com slash bulletproof3, you will get the same discount that expires at midnight today. So after midnight, when the you know, clock starts 12, it becomes a pumpkin. And, <laughs> and, and if you do that, you also get a copy of Headstrong, right? You, by the way, get a free copy of Headstrong, and um, that's a gift from uh, our friend here, Dave. Yeah. Here's yeah. the interesting thing. When 299, any subsequent test, because remember, as you're changing your diet, what do we do? We tell you what's happening inside your gut, and then we tell you what to do about it. It's not like, oh, tough luck. We tell you exactly what to do about it. So for example, uh, I did my test, and, uh, and I was trying to lose weight, and I was pre-diabetic. What everyone told me, oh, really easy. Cut down, eliminate all the carbs from your diet. Eliminate all the starch. And since I'm a vegetarian, I'm eating now spinach, avocado, lentils, legumes, and tofu. Guess what? Neither lost weight nor my blood glucose went down. It went down for a while and back up now. I did the Wyom test, and turns out my recommendations were eat the carbs. Cut down all the spinach, minimize the spinach, minimize avocado, minimize lentil, legumes, and tofu. Everything that I was doing was wrong for me now. It may have been right. What happens is there is no such thing as universal healthy diet. What's healthy for you may not be healthy for you or someone else. And what's healthy for you today won't be healthy for you from three months from now. Because your body changes. As you change your diet, your body changes. And you have to readapt your diet. If you keep on a certain diet, what happens is you're only feeding a certain microbes, and they, they start to become large, and everything starts to die. Guess what happens? Unease. The balance is the key. That means you have to constantly adapt. So what I was trying to say was, as you do at the next subsequent test during the year, it's only $199. And we're doing, honestly, my hope is, as more people sign up, the cost of these things will come down to under $100, and I like to make it available. Someday, this could be under $10, and if that happens, I, I would essentially, at that point, just do a philanthropic work, because that's the money I can afford, and give it to everyone for free. <laughs> right. uh, and here is, here is the thing, I need your help. And remember, we get this data, we apply the artificial intelligence and machine learning to it. The best thing we can get is get enough data so that artificial intelligence can actually do everything and learn. Every person who joins not only gets themselves better, it helps the whole community. We need one million people to use the service so that we can solve the problem of a billion people. If we have one million people, 
we will actually would have solved the problem that nobody will ever be sick again. So I need your help to get there. And you have my word that I'm going to dedicate the next five years of my life to making that happen. And if we solve this problem, I will work on the education next. And I promise you, I will solve that too. <laughs> so, if, if any, any one of you, every one of us has an influence on someone, Please be that ambassador. Get the word out. And all we just need is that. And we'll continue to drive the prices down and we will never have to go just more than what we can survive. Because we really don't, I don't need to make money. God has been very kind to us. I really don't need the money. I just need to solve this problem. And if someone else solves the education problem before I do, We'll make the agriculture our next problem. Imagine what's the problem of increasing the food supply, creating abundance of food, microbiome. Changing the microbiome of the soil and the seed will create the abundance of food. Imagine if you want to create abundance of water, you change the agriculture because majority of the water is used for agriculture. Where do we use the majority of agriculture? In feeding the cattle. What if? We don't have to raise the cattle. What if we can simply raise a stem cell from a cow and just simply create muscle tissues, just like nature does, right? We can now solve a problem where you don't have to, you know, why would you want to grow the eyes and the ears and the things you're not going to eat anyway? They're delicious. <laughs> These vegetarians don't know about cow eyes. I mean, come on. Oh! <laughs> oh! How about cow tongue? I've eaten that. Oh! So the, the taste that tastes you back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't win that battle. I got it. But here's the thing. <laughs> Let's assume that is true. Let me tell you, if you care about the environment, there's more damage done to the environment by cattle than anything you can do. There's no amount of Tesla or Prius you can drive that you can uh, actually going to <laughs> If you stop eating meat just one day a week, you will do more for the environment than you will do by driving a Tesla. Guess what? I'm a vegetarian and I get to drive a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I will add, there might be a difference between a grass-fed cow and an industrial cow. And I've written a lot about the science there, so I will tell you... Skip meat one day a week. Remember the protein fasting day that yeah, I recommend in the book? Yeah, yeah, sure, skip meat a day a week. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what which, I'm asking Which for. is totally good, but just uh, don't conflate all meat as the same. Okay, that's fair. Just like all vegetarians aren't the same, right? All right. It's his, his, his event. <laughs> what he says. <laughs> this man is suffering from a gluten deficiency syndrome. <laughs> On that note, Naveen, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you for bringing the test here for people at cost and for taking your time to share your story and your mindset and why you do what you do, which is what I thought you guys would appreciate the so most. So I want to use the last 50 seconds, one, to just let you know how much I admire Dave for him being a good human. And I have made a rule in my, my life that I don't care who the person is, if he's not a good human being, I just don't associate myself. I don't care how successful they are. Here's a man who's a good human being. Uh, I can tell you that this man I adore. I adore him as is, is because of his smartness, but mostly because of his kindness. He is a Thank kind, you. giving human being. And I can tell you that, let's all stand up and give him a round of applause. Uh,
The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.